Direct from the People's Republic of China, she came with glad tidings. We were invited to gather at the apartment of our friends, the Natters, to hear Myrtle Ferguson describe her experience at the center of the cultural revolution about which so many lies were being told in the imperialist bourgeois media. Myrtle taught English in a Beijing school. She wore a monochrome uniform like millions of her fellow strugglers. Her hair, brutally cropped, fell over her forehead in a slab no one would dare call bangs. She was traveling in America on a tour of enlightenment, sent with the full authority of the authorities. Zucchini and Monterey Jack cheese would be served, along with wine, at my request, beer for me. Piled democratically together on the floor, leaning on giant Eastland pillows, clutching our wine and cheese and sliced zucchini, beer me, We turned our yearning faces toward oblong myrtle, standing in her high-collared suit in front of the fireplace. Flirtation and gossip were shushed by our host. We were ready to be instructed. My former parents in Swarthmore, that's Pennsylvania, tried to mold me into someone like them, an American female, Myrtle bitterly confessed. We all knew, thanks to her clipped and crunched pronunciation of the word American, that there was a K in there. Counteracting our indoctrination by misogynist patriarchal schooling, I came to understand my destiny lay in the People's Republic, home to the Chinese people, in the East, land of the mighty Red River. After the groundwork, she got into the more advanced stuff, so I took a job teaching English in, articulated by Myrtle in a doubtlessly authentic People's Republic accent, the word Beijing sounded to my ears like amplified granola. Wind chimes rang out in the evening fog on Russian Hill in San Francisco. Myrtle had brought the chimes as a house present for her host, Margie and Ted Natter. The bringing of house presents was another gracious custom she had learned in the People's Republic. These were days that tried persons' souls, Cadre Myrtle was resolute, stern of demeanor. Once upon a time, far away in a place dominated by brutal patriarchal Quakers, they had taught her to be meek and mild, but she managed to escape their cruel manipulations. It was a clean getaway. Unlike erroneous seekers, she had found the truth and intended to share it. The room was crowded. I leaned with my wife against the legs of a couple who had taken the couch. Our friend, Ted Natter, borrow the neck of my beer bottle for tapping purposes and ask that we discontinue all private whisperings. There was an endless war in Vietnam. Americans were out of step with history, and discussions of Chardonnay versus Pinot Noir should stop immediately. My teeth bit down hard and satisfyingly on a crisp vertical slice of zucchini. I licked a slippery cube of Monterey Jack. I offered my wife the first chance at my second beer, and she delicately swallowed from the long neck. I loved her every gesture. Stalwart, serene, and committed to her mission, Myrtle was describing how the people settled a troubling question about the principal of the school where she taught. The masses entered his office, and we determined that he had a landlord mentality, which he had craftily hidden from everyone. Although uncertain if this conformed to the rules, I raised my hand. Crafty and deceitful, she was saying, like all those with landlord mentalities. I waved my arm. She ignored the disturbance. 
Unfortunately, in my eagerness to speak, I spread a mist of beer over our dear neighbors on the floor. Melissa, my well-mannered wife, prudently removed the bottle from my foam-covered hand. How? I asked Myrtle. How did you find out about his landlord mentality?